Well, hello again, and welcome to the Five Day Reading Plan podcast. As you know, I'm Lance Ward, and I will be walking us through the highlights of some of the things we read this week. And don't forget, you can download a copy of this reading plan in the description of this podcast, and you can also find it at fivedaybiblereading.com. And if you listen regularly, don't forget to rate this podcast in whatever podcasting service you use. Well, we are down to the final four, the final four weeks of the reading plan. And if you've made it this far, you've made it 11 twelfths of the way. But uh, this week, we actually are in week, we just finished actually week 49. And this week's readings were Ezra 7 through 10, Nehemiah 1 through 9, Psalms 97, 98, and 140, and Revelation chapters 3 through 7. Well, we finished Esther this week, the only book of the Bible that does not mention the Lord, yet reveals obvious signs of his invisible sovereign hand. The great irony in this story's climax, as you saw, is Haman being hung on the gallows he himself built. Then remarkably, the king allows Esther and Mordecai to write an edict concerning the Jews to be authorized with his hearty approval. Then, in another sense of irony, Mordecai, once despised by Haman, is dressed in royal garments, something like Haman once assumed might come true for him. As a result of this marvelous story, a new holiday is established, Purim, which is still celebrated by Jews worldwide to this day. One repetition you probably noticed in the book of Ezra is the reference to God's hand being on him along the way. I underlined this several times, seeing at least six references to God's hand in chapters 7 and 8. In chapter 8, verses 21 through 32, something interesting happens in Ezra's spiritual leadership of the people. In spite of his confidence in God's protection in their journey, Ezra still proclaimed a corporate fast in order to ask the Lord for safe passage. I find this curious because of the great confidence Ezra already had in God's safekeeping. I wonder if this account helps us to see the thin line between faith and presumption. Ezra's deep sadness over the behavior of the Levites, as well as the heavy measures he takes as a result, reveal a common thread we see throughout this redemption story, God's uncompromising call for the holiness of his people. The book of Nehemiah is often taught in the context of Christian leadership, as it should be. As the exiles return to the land to build the wall, they need someone to lead them, someone who walks with God and has a real passion for God's goodness and holiness, and someone who can keep the work going in spite of opposition. And Nehemiah, we see, is just the man for those kinds of things. You may have noticed, by the way, the numerous times Nehemiah pauses to pray and why he does so. He was a man whose heart was fully dependent on God. You may have also noticed that when he confesses the sins of God's people in chapters 1 and in chapters nine, in chapter 9, he doesn't distance himself from such sins, though he is a very righteous man. You likely also noticed the opposition Nehemiah faced and how he responded to such. This is a key component of spiritual leadership, knowing when to listen to your critics and when to ignore them and forge ahead with what God is calling you to do. Anyone who has ever been in such a position has faced such situations, and if pastors are not careful, we can allow our ministries to be run more by what the people think than by what God has called us to do. Nehemiah had a clear understanding in this area. 
He knew that shepherding was not customer service, but leading people in the ways of God and refusing to give in to those who seek to create diversions and distractions. I once heard it this way, in order to be a good pastor, you will always be viewed by some as a bad pastor. A good shepherd always has his or her critics. He never has 100% confidence from everyone, so he must be attentive to what God calls him to do. Nehemiah also models the humility not to take advantage of the perks that can come with leadership, as we saw in chapter 5, verses 14 through 19, where Nehemiah refused to eat the choicest of foods offered to him, since most of the people he led did not enjoy that privilege. In the days before the term spiritual leadership came about, Nehemiah was a testament to what it looked like. Finally, we see that Nehemiah always gives credit where credit is due to the Lord. Well, you might have noticed that Psalm 97 was an excellent companion to Revelation chapter 4. Maybe you noticed that yourself as you read both together this week. In each of these passages, there's one thing I walked away with. The presence of God is terrifying, even though the person of God is good. It's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? It's sort of like that line in the Narnia books written by C.S. Lewis about King Aslan. He's not safe, but he is good. You may have also noticed a similarity between Psalm 98.9 and Revelation 6.10. Those in Revelation 6, with an awareness of all that had gone wrong in a sin-wrecked world, asked, when will you judge? When will you set things straight? And in Psalm 98, 8 and 9, there is great rejoicing in all creation, knowing that a righteous and just judge is coming, and he will judge the world righteously and the peoples fairly. In our experiences in this sin-wrecked world, we will see injustice all around us, but it won't last forever. The world to come will be exclusively marked by justice, pure justice. In Revelation 3, Jesus continues what we called last week his performance reviews on the seven churches, addressing issues in Sardis, Philadelphia, not that Philadelphia, and Laodicea. As I mentioned last week, it might be good when reading these to ask the Lord where you might have gone right and where you might be going wrong as part of his church. Imagine what might happen if all the people in the churches all around the world sincerely asked the Lord to reveal our blind spots to us and put us on the right track. Well, two very common terms in Revelation you've probably noticed are throne and heaven. And when we ask ourselves what heaven must be like at this time, John's book is very clear, starting in chapter 4, verse 2. I don't know if you thought about this this week, but you can almost hear what's going on in heaven in chapter 4, can't you? And did you notice in chapter 4, verse 8, those who surround the throne of God keep saying the same thing? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Did you get this? He never gets tired of hearing that. Isn't that fascinating? It seems that in our day of new songs coming out almost weekly, it is easy to grow tired of songs quickly. We long sometimes for the new and for the fresh, and there's not anything necessarily wrong with that. But to our great God, perhaps it is the content of what is sung that is more meaningful than something new all the time. The Lord never gets tired of hearing what is indispensably true of Him. He is holy and He is everlasting. Another common term in Revelation is a prime identifier of Jesus, the Lamb. 
It pops up quite a few times, as you noticed in chapters 5 through 7. As you continue to read, you might want to mark every occurrence of this word. It will go all the way through chapter 22. I close today's podcast with a question asked at the end of chapter 6. The great day of wrath has come, and who is able to stand? We who know Christ rejoice to know that answer, don't we? If the Lamb is our friend and Savior, we will be able to stand on the day of God's wrath, for we are His and He is ours. We will not stand on our own ability or our own goodness, but on the stable foundation of Jesus Christ. On Christ the solid rock, we will stand all other ground is sinking sand. What a thought as Christmas approaches. Well, next week we will finish Nehemiah. We'll also look at Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, and we will start in the, in the book of Job. Job will be the final book we read in the Old Testament this year, so we will read Job 1 through 11. We'll also look at Psalms 2, 29, and 99, and we will continue Revelation with chapters 8 through 12. So I hope you have a great week and look forward to joining you again next week as we delve into the last three weeks of the Bible reading plan. So join us next week. Have a good week until then.